You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 51 of Arsenal Pass. I'm Brennan Patrick, joined always by calling champion Hayden Dale. Hayden, how are you doing? Yeah, Brennan. Uh, fantastic. No, I don't know. <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. pressure now every time we start an episode about how am I doing. Let's, next week, one year anniversary of Arsenal Pass podcast. Let's just mix it up. Let's just not go with how are you. Let's just breeze straight past it. Maybe I think that it's. Uh, I think it's actually the portion that our listeners look to the mo- look forward to the most. Surely, so I hesitate taking it away. All right, so today we're going to be talking. Oh, you know, classic constructors finally hit the back burner. Um, so this week we're going to take some time to dive into skirmish season four. We're we'll breaking down what the meta looked like in week one, the decks we liked, what aspects of Blitz we're enjoying, if we are, <laughs> and ultimately discussing the question on everybody's mind, which is, what is the best deck? <laughs> With this being episode 51, we are also very close to our one-year anniversary, and we have some exciting news coming up around some pretty unique and special giveaways that we're going to be doing for that. But first, <laughs> let's go on. <laughs> what was your week like in Flesh and Blood, Aiden? As always, how was your week in Flesh and Blood, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's been a good week. Uh, skirmish season four. We, I think we're going to talk about it soon, right? But the skirmish season was like announced really quickly and then we're straight into it and obviously you know as skirmish seasons in my eyes continue to to happen they're a they're a store-based uh event there are these great events we talked about the other week for players to get into the game but also from my perspective um for you know someone like myself where i see myself playing these events is i really enjoy having something to go to in the weekend that's an event because otherwise it's just armor events during the week and that's not very practical for me a lot of the time so i love being able to get to um skirmishes so we played two skirmishes uh over the past few days weirdly there was a skirmish on a weeknight i think the store managed to do it because of some particular reason with their trading hours or something i'm not sure how it worked but anyway played a skirmish the other night as well so i played two skirmishes was meant to play a third one um but i may or may not have slept in so um <laughs> Yeah, had had a good week. Played Reinar on the first one, and then I played Briar the other night as well. So yeah, no, it's um the splits format as we talk going to talk about soon is is interesting. I think there's a lot of different. things you can play. Yeah, it is. It is really different. So I actually had fun at both my events. Uh, the first two rounds I did not have fun at the first event. But that was more external related, more than games and event itself. How about you? What, what's been happening in Flesh and Blood for yourself? So I played one skirmish. Um... And I lost to Reinar, whoever yeah, created that deck. <laughs> Gotta have some words. Uh, it, yeah, it was good. Um, it's cool for what it is, right? Like, I think the most important part about Blitz being a fun format right now is having cool opponents that you can speak to during it's... your ten minute gold fishing. That's really important. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, the format's weird. It's way different than it used to be. Like, it actually feels so like different. a different game. To, yeah, it feels like a different game completely at this point. Um, but yeah, I had a good time. It was it was chill, it was relaxed. Like skirmishes really are, you know, they've kind of fallen in line with what they were designed to be, which is kind of like an armory, right? With some uh, some cooler prizing and maybe you have a bit more attendance than usual. So good time, I had fun, um, and yeah, I'm going to another one this uh, this following weekend. Nice. Yeah, it, you know what? 
the opponents you play actually is making this skirmish to me. Um, there's a lot of newer players or more recent players in my area who uh, are getting like really good, like are getting competitive. And actually, I'm enjoying going to these skirmishes for one aspect of of like meeting new players and playing and enjoying the weekend with like some of my existing like sort of local friends and things like that as well. But also like meeting new players as well um, and seeing how they're developing and like getting in some good games of flesh and blood, which is uh, is really cool. So yeah, good, good, good weekend flesh and blood, Brendan. Flesh and blood indeed. All right, Hayden, take us into the news this week. We've got some news for sure. So uh, Pro Tour and Call New Jersey tickets and registration are now up on fabtcg.com. Do you just want to shout that out to everyone who's looking to get their entry into the calling or you do need to register for PT New Jersey? I just want to make sure that people don't miss out on that. So if you do already have your uh, your invite or you're redeeming, wanting to redeem a PTI, you do need to go along and um, and register. I need to do that. I'm going to do that this week. And I think the cutoff is maybe like mid to end of April. So do it sooner rather than later. Make sure you get you know get yourself in there um, and register. And there's some really cool stuff with the registration through CFB. Like there's these these sleeves, right? There's like um, Fendel Spring Tunic like sleeves. If you know, if you go into the calling, there's a few other like really cool things in there. They've shown that Yorick, the the first bard. There you go. There's your bard, Brendan. We've seen the bard. There he is. Yeah, <laughs> a UPF hero, um, which is a special PT one only promo, I believe. I did they say it's exclusive to just this PT? But I know exactly for now. The only way you can get it is at PT one. Um, I thought I read that it was exclusive for the PT, but obviously, um, you know, if you're paying for any of the other packages, I think you get it as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So sorry, exclusive to that that weekend is what I meant, though. Exclusive to New mm-hmm. Jersey, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, as we talked about at the top of the show, skirmish season four is underway. Of course, we're going to be discussing blitz, blitz, blitz today, and the main topic of the show. Uh, but if you do want to go along and play a blitz skirmish event, all skirmishes this season are blitz. Get along to fabtcg.com. There's the event finder you'll find on the events uh, tab at the top of the page, and you can you know literally just type in where you live and find the closest one to you. Seems like more stores have skirmishes again. I think uh, on the LSS website, I saw there's over 500 skirmishes happening this season. So lots of opportunities to get those mats, get those heroes. Um, so yeah, get in and listen, please. Request season two, Brendan. Details are out, but not necessarily published. So the retailer sort of FAQ is out for skirmish season two. And sorry, request season two. And obviously, that means we have a lot of information about what ProQuest Season 2 looks like uh, before we get, I guess, Alice's official announcement of the you know, ProQuest Season 2 to the players. Uh, 14th of May to the 5th of June to qualify for Pro Tour Paris, which is happening in August. So, you know, we're, we're fast approaching that first week is actually the weekend of the Pro Tour slash calling. And it runs through to the 5th of June. So that's interesting. I, get, I think that's just a timing thing because we've got the new set coming out as well. I think they just have to do that. Um, yeah. So Probably a bit, bit weird times, like during the current global climate yeah um so things might have been shuffled around uh yeah you're right the first weekend is the weekend of the 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 new jersey pro tour um i didn't see that info did they confirm that it was in paris oh sorry it's in france okay yeah so it's in france so i'm I'm just making conclusions yeah i'm assuming it's in paris or it's in lyon um because just because of usually how like these uh convention center contracts work and because we're going through you know channel fireball um, it's probably somewhere where they've held a magic GP before. Probably, yeah, um, Leon or Paris would be a good guess. I, I I feel like they might have done one in Marseille before, but but, but. sorry, Pro Tour France. I'll stand corrected. <laughs> you got me excited. I was like, I wanted to be Paris over Leon. Oui, oui. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. 
Um, so 14th to the 14th of May to the 5th of June to qualify for Road Tour France. The gold foils are still there for the winner. We know about that, but there's no mats or cold foil. I'm going to ask you about this in a question uh, in a second, Brendan. Yeah, yeah. As we we move along, because people have, have asked me about this, something very unique this season is these limited edition sleeves. Uh, so we know about the calling with the tunic sleeves. There's also going to be limited edition sleeves for this. Something else I wanted to shout out as well is on the retailer FAQ. I just had a look through. Uh, they, retailers can now, stores can now record which heroes everyone's playing on gym. So like the reporting side. So for all of you stats geeks out there, data gatherers, uh, you know, stores now have that ability to submit that directly to LSS. And I'm sure they're going to have, you know, more detailed stats coming out, which is something that I think we want and, and need in this game. Yeah, yeah. So that's really important. Um, Brendan, so being a bit of a, I don't want to say uproar, but people are, you know, voicing their opinions on the fact that we are no gold foil heroes or um, as top eight promos for this ProQuest season two, and uh, no mat for the the winner. So that that you know that try shot mat last time. Instead, we've got these uh, these unique sleeves. What do you think about this? All right. So the issue is that I think that the foundation of this question is actually a lot more complicated which is like, how do we compensate players without, you know, cash incentives every single time? Currently, and we talked about this in the last podcast, a lot of uh, professional players, or at least players that play a lot of events, do somewhat offset that cost by selling promos, um, selling things that they win from these events outside of the uh, the cash rewards themselves. And it's been very sustainable so far. Like, the promos have sold for a lot of money. It's been a great way to fund your hobby. Um, that system probably doesn't work forever because it is sort of a Ponzi, right? You can only have so many promos before people stop caring, especially when it comes to playmats. You really saw playmats kind of go from here and then they really went down, except for the really, really rare ones. Um, so we've already seen that, these sort of diminishing return to the playmat field, and it's bound to happen with the promo field as well, or the promo aspect as well, I believe. That being said, I mean, <laughs> sleeves. I mean, they, from sort of like an EV perspective or someone that's you know wants to win something that they can transfer to other value that they can maybe use to play more of these but it's pretty bad right <laughs> i mean sleeves are not not the best uh the best tradable or collectible item i think mostly because you know after use they are different than when you open them um significantly and by using them you inherently kind of destroy them a little yeah, bit so yeah so it's a weird system and I'll, I'll, like you said no cold no heroes for top like the top eight um which i don't mind i'm okay with it being completely top heavy but I know that, you know, there is a large audience and I totally understand that side of the equation where they want it to be, you know, okay, bring it down to top eight, have, you know, people who didn't maybe win the event, but performed well, also get rewards too. Um, but again, like that's also hard because you're giving out more rewards and the more rewards you give out, the less, uh, the less they're worth on the secondary, just inherently sort of a demand, uh, supply thing versus demand. But yeah, sleeves. It's cool, right? I think it's cool from unique. a uh, yeah. It's unique from an aspect of like, here's this cool like thing that I can win. In terms of like how a lot of us viewed these pro quests before, and like what the winning these prizes meant to us, and what we could do with them in terms of trading them out for you know future value we could use at other tournaments via you know selling it for cash, using it for travel, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is a this is a notable downgrade, but. You know, if they have this, they have this deal with dragon sleeves, and they want to hype it up, limited edition sleeves, whatever, right? It's still, it's still just a pro quest season. I don't really care, but um, yeah, it is, it is. Uh, I think uh, strictly worse. Almost. Careful with your words, there, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> what I say, I don't care. <laughs> I, I think, um, 
I think LSS are actually in a kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't situation with these Cold Four heroes because what happens right is okay, say they give away Cold Four heroes again this season. We're gonna give away the same Cold Four heroes we gave away last season. You, these are gonna to continue to devalue. The the market's gonna to continue to increase. So people who cover these and are wanting to sell them off for like you say for maybe some cash to go towards heading towards the progress or just trying to recoup some cost of the weekend, people wanting to travel for progress, etc. Um, that's gonna be harder and harder to do, right? Uh, and so the way I'm kind of looking at it is that ProQuest Season 1 was this kind of the special thing with our first ProQuest Season, and a lot of players aren't anywhere near sort of this idea of being on what might be the Pro Tour, right? Like, people are still trying to, you know, like, everyone was playing ProQuest. Everyone, even people with multiple PTRs are playing ProQuest because the value was really there. I think that value diminishes as we move forward. People are going to, you know, qualify through ELO. People are going to qualify through events that happen, such as the Pro Tour, the callings. They're going to have PTIs. The, the, and honestly, the way I see the ProQuest starting to develop is to become more of this grassroots entry level to Pro Tour event. What ProQuest Season 1 did not feel like that to me. I felt really incentivized to play the ProQuest Season, even though I knew I was going to get an invite from XP because of the prizes that were there, because of the EV that was there, and because it was like this, this big thing that we'd never had before. It was kind of like the pinnacle of competition within a regional area. Um, and I think that's going to start to change and develop. So... I think there was no good way to to evolve this from season one to season two. Um, sleeves is interesting. I think it's unique, which is cool. I do like that. Uh, I'm not, I'm actually, I kind of, I think doing away with the Cold Four heroes, they've got to be special. Otherwise, what are we doing with them? We're just printing them to, to no end. Um, so I do think that I, from Alice's point of view, I do respect that they're trying to protect those for, for the players and for players who've gathered those. But I can also understand where players are coming from in terms of, you know, it feels like the EV's lower. It feels like, you know, it's a real step down from where we were in ProQuest Season 1. Uh, I kind of see it as a sidestep, and I think it's um, I think it's necessary for this to happen. And I more see that ProQuest Season 1 was a big celebration of, of entry to here's the first Pro Tour, here's the first Pro Tour qualification season. Um, and this is maybe more the norm, but there's something I want to ask you about. So I'm actually going to skip forward from the news mm-hmm. and go to the Commander Cookout, if you don't mind. So just... <laughs> Fire up the grill, you know, whatever you need to do, Brennan. Because the question, <laughs> this question is, do you like those noises? The question is directly related to this. Uh, and I actually think this is the bigger problem is uh, this question right here. This comes from... Um, oh, God. This is, I can already see this question is a freaking grenade to answer. Uh, from Gavin Rowie. I hope I've said that right. Sorry. Um, and I Discord. Okay, guys, how do you feel about the upcoming ProQuest season? LSS did cut the Cold Four heroes out of the price support and added the sleeves. Not sure what the estimated value of those sleeves, uh, but I can't imagine they can compete against the Cold Four heroes. Yeah, I think we've kind of did our piece on that. It feels like LSS wants the stores to step in and price support part of Flesh and Blood as well, which I totally understand. In my country, they were asking 20 euro to participate and you received one participation booster. Then there was also the LSS price support for top eight. What for us as players was fine value-wise, but now they're announcing exactly the same as last season. So if you finish second, you go home with one booster and one pack of sleeves. Very interesting, isn't it? This just doesn't do it for me anymore. And I know several other players are thinking exactly the same as I do. How do you guys feel about the role of a store in these events? And how could this impact the fab community? Uh, should LSS hand out some better guidelines about it? So it's the same for everyone across the globe. And I, I honestly think this isn't hitting the nail on the head of what I think is, my opinion, yeah. becoming a bit of an actual issue. And I know Tarek Patel has been pretty outspoken about this on, on Twitter and about how stores are doing it. And I know, um, I think I saw like D. Rude say something as well. Yeah, I mean, 
stores have responsibility to their players. And I think some stores, and I've heard about this, I've seen it firsthand, have been using the LSS prize support to prop up their their idea of the value to players in any given event, as opposed to using the entry that they're being given for these events and putting it back towards prizes. And I know there's pro you know ProQuest, they need to compensate judges. Uh, LSS also help with that. And the, the compensation from LSS in terms of the, the prizes or sorry the awards they're giving to judges isn't isn't changing um there's still the heralds still the uh, the play map <clears throat> but what stores are doing like look at it this way right if, yeah. if you take a thousand dollars in entry right and you're putting 250 at retail back into product and that just that's not right I, I, i'll be honest i just it's not right true but the economics of whatever that situation is and how much profit they want to make is probably it's not really up to me or you, right? We sure. can complain about that and we can say that they shouldn't do this or they should. It doesn't matter, really. Um, and they have the right to take as much profit as they, as they want. And you're going to get pissed when you hear this. I know some people are like, well, what are you saying? No, the market is what tolerates that. You, by going to that store, and I know it's because sometimes you don't have an option. And the reason I'm going to point this out is because you think it's bad now? Oh my goodness. You are like, Skirmish Season 1, I paid 50 euros for some events. And they were online, terribly run, almost no TO, and there was no prizes. It was terrible. Why? Because the, the demand was so low, the market would take anything. People would pay anything to play any event because they wanted the XP, right? And that's supply what mattered. Supply was low, you mean? Exactly. Yeah, sorry. The supply was low. <laughs> the, the, demand was high. Was, the, yeah, the demand was through the roof. So the market took that, and it was terrible. Like, I, I remember... I mean, I think I screamed until my lungs couldn't scream anymore about this. It was ridiculous, right? We'd have zero price support. We'd be looking at, you know, 30 euros, 50 euros, things like that, like crazy prices. But now you're still seeing it, right? And we saw this, uh, if you remember Monarch, uh, Monarch um, pre-release, it was pretty bad. Um, and Tails, a little bit less so. But yeah, I agree it's not great. But I don't think that we're going to get super far by sort of attacking specific stores mean like you should only make this much profit your margin should only be this I agree. Um, and i understand that that's it you know you can do that and i understand that that seems like it's reasonable but what you can't ideally the way that this sort of uh, sort of relationship and market self-sorts is that you go to the stores that are compensating you in the way that you feel is correct right they're charging what you feel is a fair amount it's a store that you want to support right keyword support there by playing there you should you're supporting the store and they give out, you know, reasonable prizes. Um, unfortunately, it's just something that LSS can't really enforce. We've seen them enforce maximum prices for things like Welcome to Wraith events because they knew in the past, back when they did Skirmish, that people would, would, would spike prices to ridiculous amounts because they knew the demand was there. So I think that it's somewhat of a growing pains issue where it's like, if we, as we get more stores, this will happen less and less. There'll be more competition and we'll equalize where supply will be closer to demand. Um, Am I happy about paying, you know, like you said, 20 euros to play an event and get one booster? No, I'm not. But I don't think that you should be looking at, like, I don't think ProQuest have to be looked at as like, I have to get EV on this, I agree. right? I also I agree have to that, go massively. here. Yeah, I have to go here and I have to make money, even if you get second. And I understand that feels bad. You got close, but you didn't get, and you lose money. ProQuest should be used as a way, I think, mentally as a player as to get, you know, it's your chance to get on the Pro Tour. And that's where, you know, a store owner isn't going to be the one deciding how much money you get. It's laid out. It's defined by LSS. And that's where the sort of, you know, the competition for monetary compensation comes. Um, I think this conversation between oh, conversation is fine, but us attacking stores for, you know, having these models that are a bit unfair to us. 
I don't know if it's a battle we're really going to win, and it probably leads to some collateral damage anyway, and people that don't deserve it. Yeah. So yeah, stores that is doing the right thing, but maybe exactly. perceived. Yeah, I agree, and I've already seen or that happen a, as well. So. They have to, yeah, or they're in an area where the overhead is more, or there's exactly. in a bad financial situation. Whatever it is, yep. um, ultimately, it's one of those things where. I would probably suggest like vote with your wallet. I know you can't because not every store has a ProQuest and there's not an infinite amount of them, but as best you can, right? And then also just to approach ProQuest to the correct, it, what I think is the correct way is where it's, it shouldn't be looked at as like an EV thing. And I know there was a lot of EV in the last ProQuest season, but moving forward, I think that ProQuests are sort of an event and a tool you can use to get onto the Pro Tour, um, which is where, you know, you have defined monetary sort of payouts and goals that are that are set in stone but yeah i, I hear you i i was there like it was i promise it was really it was really really bad before like uh, just crazy prices it still is not great but i think that the market will self-correct um and yeah. that's sort of my philosophy yeah i i agree look i think people need to be really careful about how they talk about this and, and just take a step back and think about this and i get people want to want to let people know that they're unhappy about the store and what they've done and that's that, that's fine i get it you've you've got your right to um to complain and to let people know about it and i think that's fine and and you know go for it but also just take a step back and understand because i think there's some stores that have uh been unfairly sort of looked at and i think maybe they their prize distribution was more about how rather than the amount they had it was like the distribution done and there's things like that and and you know if you've got a problem with that maybe let the to know or give some feedback to the store directly but yeah, I mean, this idea of the kind of the prizes and these stores maybe filling the prizes up with the Alistair stuff and not providing much themselves, uh, I think it it's really is case-by-case case dependent, to be honest. But yeah, look, so I agree Also with not the design, by the way, because it, it was mentioned in that question, which is like, did the LSS intend for stores just to use... No. <laughs> no I, and this, I'm pretty sure this comes... I don't know if LSS has publicly said this, but it definitely comes directly from LSS that these are designed for the the stores to provide their own price support on top of it. Um, like the LSS support is not is not designed to be the sole support for these events. Yeah. I'm just going to give my my final opinion on this and how I, as, a, as, as me, as Hayden, as a player, expect a store to act and what I expect from a store when I go to an event. And this is, you can, you know, respect it or not it doesn't it doesn't matter but this is just how i feel is that if i go to an event my general expectation is that a store will take the the entry uh any maybe judge costs they've used taken out and then the rest of that at retail value goes to product to go back to prizes that's what i would generally expect uh because you should these stores in my eyes should make the money on their markup of their product so at, at retail cost and if they can't cover their overheads with that, then I think there's a more of a business thing that, that these stores need to look at from a, an overhead perspective because this is an event. So anyway, that's just kind of my, my general view on, on it. Um, but yeah, I definitely have seen this and I think it's a vote with your wallet. This is a very good thing and hopefully we can do more of that in the future. And um, and also, you know, if you feel really like if there's a player base that feel like from a local perspective, a store is not doing the right thing by your local community and there are other stores in your local community doing it, give some feedback. You know what? You can send an email to LSS and let them know that as a player base, that's how you feel. Yeah. Um, it's. I just want to have one parting thought here, which is it's funny because Hayden, I feel like we're taking a very sort of middle ground, and actually we're uh, we're probably going to get accused of being against this issue, right? Like being on the other side of the you know of the of the aisle from what the command and cookout question was, which is it's funny because if I, I can't even quantify how many times I complained and complained and complained you did, Hayden, I remember, yeah. back in the early days when this was happening at what I thought was an egregious level. Like I'm definitely on your team here and I, I feel it. 
right? But I do think that we have seen a sort of trend in the right direction, and that's where we're heading, right? And discussion around this and bringing awareness, I think, is important. But again, like you mentioned, Hayden, and like I, I talked about there, collateral damage and going after the wrong people or just maybe understanding your own ignorance. If you're not a store owner, there's maybe more that goes into that than you expect. Um, you know, I would give most of them the benefit of the doubt. And yeah. That's pretty much, that's where my thoughts are. But it's just funny because I feel like I would have been the person putting this sure. on the command and cut section uh, not too long ago. I think you're a bit kinder than I am. I wouldn't be giving necessarily benefit of the doubt, but that, that's fine. The, the other thing I would say is is um, focus on the positive as well. Really big up these stores that are doing a great job in your community. Let people know about the good, the good job they're doing, whether that's, you know, tweeting about it, telling friends, uh, whatever it is. Get people that you're bringing into the game. Go to those stores. Like that is, I think, the best thing that we can do to support the stores that are doing right by the the flesh and blood community. Because I know locally we've got a few stores that are doing an amazing job. And I'm always saying to you know people, hey, this is the armory that I choose to go to because I think they do right by the community as opposed to maybe XYZ store which I don't frequent. So anyway. All right, Brendan, sorry, that took a little longer than I thought, but I thought it was a great question. And I know it's on the, the sort of lips of everyone right now. And I think for good reason as well, um, because, yeah, just the way we go forward in this game is really important with stores and, and with the community aspect. Any final things to wrap up the news? Um, yes, we have uh, congratulations to all those that qualify for PT1, those invites and who's eligible went up. And as I said, go make sure you register for the event. Um, skirmish we already talked about. I just uh, want to shout out the pay. We'll go ahead and shout out the Patreon. Thank, thank you so you. much to all the Arsenal Pass patrons. But I want to shout out something that went up on the Arsenal Pass Patreon, which is Hayden and I did about a 50 minute breakdown of my um, 12th round match at the Calling Indianapolis. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested in that, if you're interested in kind of more of an analytical breakdown of one of the matches that was on coverage, we sort of go through all of my lines and as much as of my opponent's lines as possible. Um, it is up on the Patreon. And yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. We had some good feedback on it. I think we'll be doing it more. I love doing it. It's one of my favorite things. And we really got into a discussion about a play. And I love that, Brennan, you were, you know, I critiqued one of Brennan's plays and uh, he took it like a champ, you know, took on that feedback. And that's, that's, that's what we're about, right, Brennan? That's what we're about. So uh, right on the chin, just, <laughs> you, you know. Uh, other thing as well is uh, I did also put up a list of sort of skirmish decks that I was liking for uh, Blitz skirmish season four and i actually took one of those to a skirmish in the weekend and managed to pick up a w with reiner which you know as much everyone knows if you listen to the podcast how much i love reiner so i really enjoyed that um those lists are up there with a bit of a blurb of why i think they're good and just to kind of you know why they're good right now what cards are good etc so yeah if you are a patron check that out and if not it's access to all tiers all right brendan we've got a couple of things to announce before we get into the main topic of the pod and talk about blitz um Next next week is our 52nd episode, is our one-year anniversary of Arsenal Pass. To think, Brendan, 13, 14 months ago, we had just met and we discussed the idea of doing this, and now I'm stuck with you. So, I mean, you know, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a good year. Um, so, giveaway. We want to do something. There's a couple of giveaways, and I want to start with one that is kind of the biggest one and something that we think is quite unique and we really want to do. Um, we want to give someone flights and entry to New Jersey. Uh, we know that there's players out there who maybe want to go to the calling or have an invite for the pro tour um, that live. So just first of all, this is open to people in USA and um, Canada. Um, and 
we're going to give value up to i think about 500 dollars of this for return flights and and um calling entry so we'll, we'll we'll give you some money towards that but we want to help someone who maybe couldn't get there without a helping hand so someone who maybe has an invite to the pro tour or really wants to go with you know some friends or has never been to a calling before that really wants to go um but just just can't quite make it maybe needs a, a bit of support so Brendan and myself talked about this as Arsenal Pass. We'd love to be able to do that for someone. And um, the way we want to do this is we'd like to hear about this. So maybe it's yourself, maybe it's a friend, it's someone at your local store who you'd like to nominate. Uh, what we'd like you to do is just, you know, drop a like on this video. Um, be subscribed to the channel if you can as well, because we're trying to get to 4K. We're going to get there before next week. I don't know if we are, but <laughs> irrelevant. And drop a, drop a comment and let us know is it who it is, first of all. And, um, you know, what, what they're doing in the community or, or why it would mean so much for them to go to New Jersey. Uh, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll take a look through all those. And next week, we're going to give someone, you know, this, this kind of prize that we have um, of up to $500 in value and flights and entry to the calling. Right, Brendan, have I missed anything? Yep. Hopefully, your flight costs $500 with the, uh, the increasing price of gas. It's going up fast enough that it may, be, it may just be a drop in the bucket. But still, this we is Arsenal Pass. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying, we want to give something. We just want to try and, yeah. and help yeah. get someone there who might not be. Maybe it's a little bit more, but we'll, we'll give you that full value up to that as well. For sure. And if flights are too expensive by that time, Hayden will go pick you up and he will put you on the back of his bicycle and take you there himself. But this is Arsenal Pass's own golden ticket. Think about the fab golden tickets of the calling. This is Arsenal Pass, grassroots, not funded by LSS. This is just us. Many of you, you know, the chance to compete, right? some aspiring player who wants to go to the pro tour and wants to be a part of this incredible sort of foundational event that flesh and blood is going to have. Um, we've decided to sort of you know, try to fund that ourselves. So I'm really excited. I think it's going to be awesome. And in regards to the comments, you write the make it a story, right? The better the story is, the more I like it, right? Weave us, <laughs> weave us a narrative, whether it's about your friend or it's about somebody in your community or it's about yourself. It could really be about yourself. <laughs> Write me a nice little novella on that YouTube comment, and um, yeah, we'll find ourselves uh, we'll find ourselves uh, someone to sponsor. Definitely, yeah. Looking forward to it. excited that we can do this, Brendan, and um, as well, we've got a couple of Arsenal Pass playmats. We kept a couple in the cupboard for our fifty-second episode. We're going to give a couple of these away this week on Twitter. So if you'd like to pick up an Arsenal Pass playmat, uh, just check us out on Twitter this week. At some point during the week, we will throw up, you know, just a a post to win a playmat and we'll give give a couple of them away um lastly as well we're our last kind of giveaway we're going to give away a box of everfest first edition uh but we're going to give that away next week on the episode 52 so just keep an eye out for that and we'll we'll ship someone a box of everfest to crack open and um i'll tell you what i got one prize pack brendan from um that's a lie i didn't get one prize pack i don't want to the, the the store that i went to the other day was great i actually got a box for winning the event but i also got like a, a one like kind of loose everfest pack Oh boy, a cold foil vixen cool hand. I mean, well, how lucky well, can one man be? So I was at one of those stores that gave one for one prize pack, um, but I got a foil tri shot and a bingo in the same pack. But uh, you know, I'm I'm really unlucky with my prize packs. I think last time I got a prize pack, it was only one, and I ended up getting a foil command and conquer. So, so unlucky. Yeah, one day I'll run hot. Yeah, one day. All right, Brendan. Well, anyway, get in for those giveaways. We're excited to, first of all, give away our kind of Arsenal Pass golden ticket um, to someone who needs it and uh, a couple of playmats and a box of Everfest. Final cookout is done and dusted. Turn the grill off, Brendan. I think we're heading to the main topic of the pot, are we? Yep, it's getting smoky in here. Let's clear it out. So we are going to talk about... Let's, 
Uh, we're going to at the top of the show. We're going to talk a bit about what we've seen so far. Our A lot of this is going to be anecdotal because we don't have a lot of data to go off on week one, but that's all right. You don't mind that, right? We don't mind a bit of anecdotal data. So, no, people love it when we talk shit about their, their favorite class without having the, enough data. Not at all. Um, let's let's just start with a little bit of a, a little bit of history though brennan let's and because for some people this might be their first skirmish season listening to arsenal pass um and this is we're now up to skirmish season four but skirmish season three was prior to everfest we had a really interesting skirmish season because we had draft and we had blitz but i know there was primarily blitz events those drafts were special events for certain stores and areas ira and kano were kind of like the prevalent sort of decks in that meta still right briar had a really good season as well chain had a strong season especially in i know asia pacific um but it felt like kano and briar by the end of it kind of emerged as the top two decks with ultim really starting to play in there at the end of like skirmish season three prior to everfest i think Is that how you kind of felt as we exited skirmish season three in that blitz meta so i actually only played limited um yeah. limited skirmishes that season but you know spoiled for choice so uh, don't, really, but it, it, I mean, a breakout of that season, I think was that was Briar, like the Briar deck ended up being really good. Yeah. Um, but we saw a bit of the same, right? I think Skirmish season one, two, and three, uh, we didn't see too many crazy changes, right? The, the banning of Drone of Brutality definitely changed, uh, changed the format quite a bit, but I would say, you know, one, two, three might've looked a bit similar, but four is just wildly different. It's not even close. That's why I wanted to set up a bit of history because that's how I feel. I feel like the season is feeling quite different and it's really exciting to me. So into Everfest, all the hype is about Kasai and Benji with the new specializations. Islander looks fun, mm. but is it good? That's kind of the, the, the talk of the town. Ira's gone. You know, Ira's like, is it a thing anymore? Kano is maybe B tier. Uh, you know, the wild Aether Wildfire is like a big discussion, but then people are like, ah, Kano, you know, is it that good anymore? We've got, we've got Kasai, we've got Benji uh rune blades not named viseraya meant to be kind of just you know only okay um viseraya is maybe the not so secret best deck in the format heading into battle hardened leads right which is kind of where we get to right so we have this bit of narrative heading into where people are cracking over first people are thinking about class constructed because calling is coming up pro quest season is happening but on the radar coming up is blitz and then we get battle hardened leads which happened last week or oh, two weeks ago now mm -hmm. Name weekend is the calling and we see a very interesting field emerge from that, right? So after all this kind of narrative and this talk, we see three Viserys in the top eight. So I think that became, a, like I said, a not-so-secret uh, secret, I guess, in terms of what was happening with Viserys and how good that deck was. We see a Kasai in there, so the, the hype is real, maybe. Alton's still there. Uh, there's a Briar, there's a Lexi, there's a Bravo. But there's like a real distinct kind of meta in there, right? Um, a bit of a, a bit of a mixed bag. And then Alton ends up being this in the finals. Um, and our first kind of blitz event of the season is won by... Ultimate. for sure hot take Kasai's bad um is it that it's, hot? it's it's a funny uh i don't think it's that hot but it, it's a funny situation it's a funny scenario i need to make an apology to all the arsenal pass listeners i think for uh about 50 episodes here every time blitz came up i would make this remark that people complained a little bit too much the format was more skill intensive and a lot of people were just making excuses you know like they would just automatically write off the format without actually putting in reps and playing it well uh going into season four uh i was wrong yeah you guys are right i'm on your team now i understand i understand it's different uh yeah uh, i can't imagine playing a freaking pro that in this blitz in this blitz meta i'm not saying it's not fun fun is different but the competitive integrity whew, it's on a different level interesting i'm gonna disagree <laughs> oh god not because i, I don't you, think I eat those words <laughs> <laughs> not because i don't think that it's um 
that there's like these aspects of like high rolling and these like really skewy kind of games happening. But I, I disagree with what you just said about it not being skill intensive at all. Like there's no, it sounded I like- I didn't you, say that. I okay, didn't that's kind of, that. that's maybe the conclusion I drew from your statement. Just yeah. I didn't say it's not skill intensive at all. I'm I'm understanding where people are coming sure, from. Sure, sure, when they say that. Irrelevant of skill, almost irrelevant skill is that the competitive integrity of Blitz games is not very high, right? Like it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's hard to consistently. It's hard to play efficiently to a win. Where it's like I feel like I'm drawing and I'm more drawing and playing efficiently to a win. And a lot of these decks are actually sort of very, uh, you know, self-serving, right? They don't really play the other side of the board. They just do their thing. They go off. It's over. Okay. Yeah, I want to break this down because there's a lot of questions I want to get to about just kind of the meta in general, how we feel about what's happening right now. But let's 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 start macro, right? About where we are right now, like. Let's talk about these these things you just said. So you feel like it's, and I think the sentiment is not just shared by you, but it's like there's kind of like some goal fishing aspects happening in this format, right? Like there's a lot of, sure. or you say there's like sides being played. So like Brennan's playing his game, Hayden's playing his game, and then someone wins the game. Is that kind of how you feel right now? Mm, to an extent, right? Obviously it depends on the matchup, but I think at least definitely the most prevalent deck is very goldfishy. Um the one that kind of either does, you know, has the potential to do the 20, 30 damage on turn two, uh, potentially even 20 damage on turn one. I did a 20 damage four card hand turn one uh, the other day. And it's just like, it's a little fast, right? It's good. It's not bad. It's not inherently bad when formats speed up, but when they speed up to such an extreme extent, it, it feels kind of weird to play anything that can't race that or disrupt it. So I think if you're, if you're not on a disruptive deck, your choices are so limited, right? We talk about Starvo constricting the constructed meta because it's, you know, big attacks that are disruptive. But now we have Viscerai who's telling, asking you, I need, you need to be able to kind of either rip my hand and stop me from doing what I'm doing or do more damage than me. And I do like the most damage that mm -hmm. I've ever seen a deck do. It's ridiculous. So I don't know where I stand. <laughs> <laughs> I, That's fair. It's week one, right? Yeah. Like, you don't have to know. I'll, fair. I'll, I'll be honest though i'll have a confession to make i sat down at round two of my first skirmish and i said i hate blitz i hate this format i heard that actually somebody else told <laughs> me tweeted about somebody it, yeah. told me yeah. i yeah. tweeted about it um but do you know what it actually wasn't so solely about the format um i wasn't enjoying the start of the event for some specific reason i'm not getting into it, it's fine but the as it went along the day what i started to realize is to me, like a lot of the games felt like, yeah, so I played like a KO and I was like, oh, here we go. Like it felt like Brennan was just saying it to feel me like I was about to engage in these like goldfishy kind of games. Like that's what I was about to play. And that's kind of what it felt like it was going to be. But then the games didn't turn out that way. And I was quite surprised by it. That there was quite a bit of like strategy to my games in terms of trying to decide how I was going to play these games. Now, I will admit they weren't necessarily strategies about like long-term you know impacts they were very short-term it was like turns two to five maybe and i was playing a deck that's maybe a little bit slower you're playing can... reinar right we right. need to say that right like you're playing Sorry. reinar it's playing reinar yeah. so yeah so for sure right like you, you, i think you're playing a deck that actually urges you to or puts you in a position to have more decisions and be to be interacting a little bit more sure. yep. where um like i was playing viscerai and i like the deck and i kind of like what it does but I was playing my games and it wasn't that I was actively disliking the Blitz games I was playing. I just didn't feel engaged, right? I didn't feel like I was being engaged in the games. It was just like, okay, this is just happening and it's over in like 10, 15 minutes. 
Um, I, again, like this is not me actively disliking the format. It's just, I felt like the past Blitz formats where, you know, they were a bit more nuanced, a bit more complicated. People would try to write them off. They'd try to say like, oh, Kano is like this stupid deck that just- No skill, goes yeah. The top. Yeah, no skill. Ira is also no skill. Like Ira, some people have the, people have the gall to say like an Ira is, like an Ira mirror is no skill where Dante Del Fico won like 95% of them. Like it's crazy, right? Um, and I feel like there was a lot of nuance and like when you would get- players that were really practiced in those matchups, you would get these really intense games. Like obviously there'd be variants. Like that's a card. That's kind of the card game, how flesh and blood is built, but it wasn't this extent. I felt like it was much more engaging to the player. Um, and I know I'm overusing that word, but I just feel like that word sort of represents what I'm trying to say more than me trying to put it into a sentence, which I, I don't know if I can. I, it's tough. I'm going to come back at you on that though and say that I, one of the reasons I think that might be the case for you right now is that you've just come off a big class constructed season where you've played Fair. a deck called prism which has a lot of decision points uh and one of the most you know important matchups in that meta and Tostavo is like a very engaged matchup i would say you're not playing just one side of the table you are actively having to play both sides of the table pretty pretty rigorously i would say so i kind of felt the same coming off class constructed and i would love to hear from some people who have played more blitz recently than myself or brendan have because my journey over the last sort of five days, I played in an armory and then I played a couple of games with a friend of mine. Um, that's kind of all the fab I've played for like almost two weeks, to be honest, since ProQuest season ended. And then uh, playing these two these two skirmishes was that I've come on this journey. So to, to clarify, well, I played Reiner for one skirmish and then I played Briar for the other, um, kind of like this Briar kind of deck I threw together uh, before the event. And I had a ton of fun playing it actually. Um, and as I've gone through these events, I felt like I had more decision points. I felt like the format was starting to become a bit clearer to me. I played Viseray a couple of times. Yes, that deck is like explosive and feels like maybe it plays one side of the table, but actually I kind of approached that match a little bit differently. Like I played really defensively into that matchup as much as possible. And it was kind of a different, ended up being kind of a different game than I expected it to be. So yeah, all this to say, going around circles a little bit, but I think this format is really interesting to me and my first perceptions on what I this format was going to be and from like some of like things i heard from people playing and from my first experiences that is really starting to change for me and i think that is a lot about how the format is starting to develop and one of the things i am really enjoying about this format we're about to talk about is there is a lot of viable decks to play in this format i think which is Ooh, super exciting that's okay yeah so we're definitely gonna have a discussion on that one because that's disagree? what i what i yeah i do disagree um but i want to get i want to sort of get I want to get you a take, you know, on this, like this, I'm going to ask you a stupid question. Go on. It would be the All first right. one. Is this format good or bad? One it's, word. Yeah. Good. That's good. Cool. All right. But maybe not for the, I won't get it. I don't have to say <laughs> no, the reasons. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, but maybe no. not for the reasons that you would usually call a format good for. All right. So let's talk about deck diversity and what, what decks you're able to play, right? So I do, I do agree that like our, I is sort of healthy, right? Like we have some viable decks, like uh, let's say Viserai, Oldham. I mean, Kasai is being played, but I think it's terrible into like a lot of the best decks. Uh, Reinar, I think Reinar is actually really good, and then to an extent, Briar and Kano. Um, Briar kind of maybe being low, and I think Kano is a bit worse now. Aether Wildfire, Ragmuffin's Hat, really good. I love it, but very likely that there's going to be games you play on Kano where you see less than 10 cards because the opponent is just putting in so life is tough in, in this moment yeah I yeah i do agree with that so much damage in front of you so i think that like those are the decks that we have right now the ultimate deck can obviously be built two different ways which is interesting but because of the damage check and the speed i think that like 
while we have what I would consider to be healthy pie, a lot of people disagree with me where there's kind of like four or five decks. The other decks, right? The pet decks, the decks that people want to play, like I'm a Dorinthia player, I like to play Dorinthia and Blitz, I'm a warrior. No chance. Like those things are just screwed, right? Because the, the pace is so fast and we're exploiting these super powerful cards with these really low, small deck sizes and really low life totals that I think a lot of other decks can't even, like they can't even come into the format, right? They can't even try. There's no like middle ground. There's either you're competing with the best deck or you're garbage tier. And that's a little, those are some aggressive words, but it's kind of how I feel. It's kind of how I feel, right? I feel like you're either competing, you're meeting the damage check or you're, you have a disruptive package or ultra, ultra, ultra defensive package. Um, or like you can't even compete. I could be wrong just on that, right? I could be wrong, but I think people might be approaching this format incorrectly. <laughs> Which I think people okay. might be just trying to approach, hey, what's the best three turns I can put together and kill my opponent before they kill me? And I don't I don't actually think that having now played through and, and played games and tweaked some decks and stuff, I don't think that's necessarily So you talked about this big output of like of damage you can do, right? Like this kind of, you know, you're talking about Viserai, you've got, you know, Scalata and Sonata, you've got um, there's these big damage up. You Ryan now, you can intimidate and come with 22 damage. Like you've got these these powerful things, right? But let's not forget that the equipment that we have access to is also a higher percentage of your starting life total than it is in classic constructed. And there's a lot of good defensive equipment uh, in this in this format that you have access to. I mean, in this game, to be honest, you also have access to defensive cards. I mean, a card like Steadfast, right, is really interesting to me in in um, in Guardians, for instance. I think Bravo and Old Time are both very good decks, and I think they were both kind of underrepresented in Week One. Maybe not Old Time, to be honest. After winning the, the Leeds Battle Harden with Francesco, but yeah. um, the the Bravo decks, maybe to be honest. And I honestly think that people yeah. are approaching this like a three turn format, and I I actually think it is actually more of a five or six turn format, to be honest. Um, but Viserai and the perception of how powerful Viserai is, I think, is warping that a little bit. So I don't think, yeah, I, I agree with you in the sense that like, but I don't think the answer is like more defense right so what we'd be talking about there is like a mid-range build right like you're a deck you're talking like you're taking your your deck that can be aggressive and can go fast i'm going to put in some defensive cards to help me slow down the format like i don't think that's not about that yeah no okay i think that like very defensive decks yeah i've seen those be successful but i do agree with you in the sense that i think people are approaching it the wrong way where they're trying to like race viscera um and i think the answer is more disruption because yep. yeah i think i think it's going to be yeah it's a disruptive base you have to force the opponent to interact with you because this deck is presenting lethal on turn one or turn two yeah there's a wider hero base right so the the inclination to go for a really proactive strategy is is it makes 100 percent sense especially in week one but as we start to see a meta develop like this this briar deck that i played in my skir- second skirmish was like purposefully like i decided to play this because i thought that the top three decks were going to be ultim reinar and viscerai like that people would play and so i decided to play this with the idea of i want these cards and this configuration into those three heroes and i think i'm playing a four to five turn game and i'm, I'm trying to slow it down a little bit with embodiment of earth and trying to pick my turns and, and against ultim i have this ability to outlast them and, and play these channel mount heroic games mm-hmm. effectively so i think the format's going to develop and we, it's crazy because we're going to get four weeks of this but we have a calling and we're going to talk about that soon i don't want to forget that we've yeah. got a calling coming up in this format so it's not like we aren't going to see a climactic big event at the end of this skirmish season so the format is actually really important and how it develops is really important and i know alice's are going to have an eye on it all that's separate and let's talk about what decks were winning in week one uh 
we've seen a little bit of data. We've got anecdotal evidence. We've got our own evidence. Um, you said you said five deck format, right? So is that in terms of what you think were winning was winning in week one? It's more like I think there's like five. I, there's like five decks that can even sort of participate. Um, you know, they get, they're not winning, but they're being represented. It's okay. okay. It's okay. We can come back to that. But what what decks are yeah. winning in week one? So we we yeah, saw, so... of course, Alton take the first uh, battle hardened. We saw Viserai. I know people were winning events with Viserai. Um, people were winning events with Reiner. Who was that? Uh, <laughs> Who's that? People Who's that? were. Uh, any other decks out that we saw that were winning events, and they could just from like a just doing well. People, you know, seeing people top eight. Did you say Alton? I don't know if I zoned Yeah, there. I said Alton, um, Viserai, Reiner, Kasai. Reiner. Those are the decks that I saw performing well in, in week one, just in terms of like top eights and, and win percentage. Yeah, again, so, like a lot of, we just don't have the, the best data for that kind of stuff, but I, that's, really, that's really what our metas were looking like, um, was pretty much those decks. There's some Briar sprinkled in as well. Yeah. What, so what decks, um, yeah, I guess what decks were winning, what decks were performing very similar, I, I thought, in terms of that. What decks were underperforming just from what you saw? And I'm going to start with this because you said Kasai. There's a lot of Kasai at the events that I yeah. saw, both the two I played in and also the ones I've seen. And yeah, Kasai was like getting into top eights and winning some some skirmishes. There was also a lot of people in Kasai going 1-3 and 2-3 and 2-4 and, and, and stuff. Um, so that deck had a lot of players. I would say as well. It, it reminded me, it, was, it felt like reminiscent of Prism in, um, in uh, Roads Nationals to me. It was like, I was a lot of people playing it and there's some people winning and top eighting with it, but there's also a lot of people going home early. Well, it just feels like an aggro deck that's slower than the deck that also needs to generate resources to bank up for a future turn. It's like a weird spot to be in. Um, like, again, like when we say it's bad, we're not saying it's terrible and unplayable. It's just like, it's mostly because we feel like it's under it's overrepresented at this point and it's overhyped. I mean, this was probably the most hyped deck going into the yeah. season before that uh, that Leeds tournament happened. Um, so I think that Kasai will kind of shift more out of the meta. Yeah, so I want to talk about Kasai for a bit. It's um mm. I yeah, I, I actually agree. I think the deck is not that strong. I think it it has this inherent ability, right, where you have this blood on her hands kind of game state so you have valiant dynamo and you have blood on your hands two very powerful cards that leads to this game state where you want to get to like again turn four to five which is fine but what are you doing in the turns before that playing off like two to three cards one to two cards is that really what you want to be doing with kasai well you want to get the value of valiant dynamo you want to be generating copper so it's really hard to play off like one to two cards effectively like two to three cards three cards that's that's more optimal then how are you sustaining to that point against decks that are putting on a lot of pressure or decks that are disrupting you um what are you doing against those and that's kind of what kasai like the problem with kasai feels to me is that your big spike turn is doesn't come as early or isn't actually as good as a lot of other spike turns in this format and requires more setup and then your other sort of damage output turns are maybe really maybe comparative um but that all kind of equals up and adds up to me for something that just isn't quite right for kasai right now and and i feel like if you also if you understand the value of the coppers as the opponent you can really shut down the Kasai deck um, and just play to your game plan and, and shut them down a little bit. And that's kind of what I felt like. I like. I personally didn't drop a, a game to Kasai over the two events, um, just trying to understand that philosophy of how to play into it. Yeah. I also think that Kano is underperforming in this format uh, yeah. past what I thought it would be. That being said, I think that Kano is liable to win any tournament. I agree. Because this is like the <laughs> format to do it in. Um, it's just tough. As the Kano player, it's hard to really flex that, uh, that intellectual muscle when you maybe see eight or ten cards in an entire game because 
you know, the opponent's deck is presenting so much damage to you and you're starting at 15. Um, so because of that, I do think that the new cards added to Kano are extremely powerful. Uh, you know, specifically Aether Wildfire, uh, you know, with the combination of Ragamuffin's hat, super, super good. Not going to deny that. Not going to deny that Kano can spike any event. Counts but, it. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it feels like, it feels like your deck has to give it to you a lot of the time. And that just, that's not a fun place to be in as Kano. It's like, um, there is an aspect to where you can't really fix that hand or fix that draw, or you just don't have a lot of agency sometimes. And you do kind of just have to go off the top of the deck. Um, if you can, right. If you draw the full red hand and your opponent presents a 20 damage turn, turn zero, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's be it. I mean, K- Kano, like you say, you can't deny that Kano can always, always games and always. And I'm not that excited about playing Kano this season, to be honest. I don't think I'll end up playing it in an event. I thought I probably would. I think I'm a, I'm going to get to play three skirmishes in total because um, I'm doing something very exciting following weekend uh, where I'm going to be away. Mm. So I'm going to play one more skirmish. I'm tossing up what I play. Um, I kind of want to play Data Doll, to be honest. Um, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Might be too big a claim. Could work. I I think if I'm going to play Mechanologist, it's probably going to be Dash. I think Dash is actually maybe a little bit underrated. So uh, Ira, I think underperformed for me just from what I saw this weekend. I think it was kind of underrepresented as well. Um, But I think people are still trying to play Ira in the old mold with Flick Flax and stuff like that. And I don't actually think that's where you want to to be right now. I don't think that does anything. What about surprises for you this um, Um, so far? Yeah, so the Reinar was a surprise, but... um... Yeah, some of these cards, yeah, some of these cards that Reinhardt got are pretty good. Um, yeah, and that's honestly that's the one that that surprised me the most. I think Old Hymn's resilience is also a bit surprising. Um, that being said, we'll see. I don't know if it, it feels like a weird spot for Old Hymn. The two other top decks are Viscerai, which is going to negate any slow Old Hymn deck. Like, uh, it does not compete. Uh, so it has to be this like, aggressive Oldham deck, and then you have Reinar as well, which is also just going to strip away all your defense reactions and your ability to interact on your opponent's turn. So I think that aggro Oldham is probably the way to go, but I did see a lot of defensive Oldhams at, yeah. uh, at my skirmish. I saw the aggressive ones doing better, though. Um, the more, I would call them disruption Oldhams. Like they're more focused on like being proactive with disruptive effects, and I actually think that's really good, and that's what's making me feel happy, actually. And you just said before... Why is this format good or bad? Good, I said, because I think that there's ways to build decks to attack the perceived top decks, and I think that's really cool and exciting. You know what makes me really happy, though, is in the same paragraph, not even the same sentence, the same paragraph, you said top deck and Reiner, so uh, I'm feeling, mm. feeling good about What about, about Azalea? Azalea's got some disruption. We got Tri Shot now, you got a thin deck, you got Poison the Tips, ripping cards out of the hand. What happens if you sleep Darkano? How effective is he going to be on your turn? Not very effective, right? We got, a, we got an Azalea Master, actually. Sitting in the booth with me right now what have you what do you have sleeved up so with reiner right one of the things i really like about reiner in this format as well and, and the fact i think like you said you, you said top deck i think it is one of the best decks in the format right now is that <laughs> wild ride is like very very good for enabling these kind of uh bigger hands like outside of blood rush bellows you also have these like blood rush bellows turns where you can now play like bear fangs on the end of i think bear fangs are really good swing big uh, and you can really spike these turns. And I, to be honest, I just, for me, like I played a list very similar to my like skirmish season one Rhino list, just with like five cards upgraded from what we have now, seven, I guess with high roller. I like that in late game high roller can do something, but not even like a scab skin leather deck. Like it is literally just like this, the most important equipment, uh, hard and cross shape's always been very good, but 
uh, hardened cross yeah. rep is probably the most important now in the deck for That's... the turns you're trying to put together and outside of that you you get to grind and you get to barrage and beat down and you have so many different ways to win the game so yeah i really like rhino in this in this format and um i expected it to be good but when i played it in that event i was like surprised by just how well it came together so swing big is a hilarious card so good in this format it's like two for eight two for eight it's like two for eight and construct and class constructor is good but when your opponent has 20 life and you get to deny them cards to defend with like what am i yeah. what am i playing illusionist with no phantasm what is this exactly. hey you get a quicken token anyway oh, so a quicken token. <laughs> I, I agree reiner a bit of a surprise uh ultim not just yet like this right just not stepping all over ultim because of the ways that you can build and not having the life to necessarily give up to set up these turns i think is um is really good as well I do just want to share a little bit of uh data and i did pull this from um i think it's kugane is that how you say uh their name on twitter um who i know is putting together a lot of data for skirmishes and i think did the same for progress but just posted a snippet on um on twitter which i just took a little screen grab of and was quite interested by just some some game data so far um not a massive amount of data to start with so you know i am taking this with a grain of salt but really interesting the highest win rates by hero from uh the data that they've put together uh kasai has a really high win rate but you know 57 games so that that's not a surprise to me um but interesting dorinthia has a 65 percent win rate so now i'm really starting to question it uh olivia uh very small sample size 62 percent. I, I i think it's hard to read into these until we get into like skirmish season two um but yeah. what i think is more interesting is like the total games of data like what decks are being played is actually really interesting to me so there's a lot of data on viscerai uh, there's a lot of data on kasai there's a lot of data on old time uh those are the top three just from games that they have on this data sheet so that tells me top three decks being played right now yeah, this pitch data is pretty funny. 46.8% Viscerai. That's, uh, that's a funny stat. At 111 huh? games. Is, uh, I think it's that's not the as, one that jumps out to me. I think it's not as good as people think. I think I'm Viscerai not is it's very good. good. It's as, yeah, I'm not but. saying it's, good, it's as good as people think. I'm saying that you should probably be winning more than 46% of your games playing Viscerai in this format, in my opinion. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, I did just want to share that before we moved on. So... What's uh, with this in mind? What was kind of our experience in week one? So we talked a little bit about the meta. I just want to know from your your perspective, did you have fun? Well, Hayden, do you see my note on this section? It was uh, unfortunately I spoiled it a little, a little bit, but I said, um, "Yeah, do you think?" He said, "Do you think this meta? What, what do you think is important for this meta to be fun?" I said, "Cool opponents you can talk to while you goldfish for ten minutes." No, but I mean, I think that Blitz has really transcended um, to a casual format for me. I could be wrong, right? You know, I could just be a bit more sensitive these days, a bit less resilient, a bit less innovative. But uh, I didn't really look. I didn't. I I didn't look at it as like a hardcore competitive format before. But I thought that people, a lot of people, sold it short um, and didn't acknowledge a lot of the competitive integrity that existed in the previous Blitz formats. Now I'm pretty much fully sold down the river of uh, you know, if I'm playing Blitz, it's pretty much casual. Yeah, which I think is perfectly fine. Obviously, for our European friends. They've just had a battle hardened and they're about to have a Enjoy. calling so it's a little bit different <laughs> for them uh what do you think is so with all this said we just talked about a little bit of stats some anecdotal evidence and you know what we you know optics i guess what do you actually think is good right now like what are decks that you would consider sleeving up and, and taking to an event if you wanted to if you wanted to win a, a blitz calling for instance mm. see it's an interesting question because what do i think is good and what am i going to sleeve up or okay well, two questions they're two different things yeah well i don't think it is two questions because I think that Reinar is both good, and I don't care to defend or elaborate on his power level, because I'm sleeving it up either way. I think that it's a fun deck, 
Very deck cool. that I've always wanted to play in Blitz. And um, yeah, it's been it's been quite too long since that deck has been viable at this sort of stage. So what is the best deck? It's just really tough right now. I, I personally don't have enough data, right? I've only seen one skirmish and heard anecdotal evidence outside of that. Obviously, yeah. we saw leads. Um, but for me, like I'm I'm gravitating towards and I'm attracted towards Reinar because I feel like I have a good strategy into some of these ultimate decks that maybe is still a bit slower. I'm pretty decent in the viscerai and the deck does allow you to, I don't know, be creative, right? Yep. Yep. It allows decision points, which I think is something I really want out of a game of Blitz is I want to try and play a deck that's going to allow me to have decision points, which I felt was like Kano previously, but now I feel less about that just because of the speed of the format of 15 life, but could be wrong. Could could change again. Maybe Islander's the way to go. Maybe you should be playing Islander. I've, I heard someone uh, 9-0 to skirmish in the weekend on Islander, so there you Good go. Thing. Yeah, go check out the video. There's a video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll find the link for you. Um, so what what do I think is what do I think is good? Yeah, this old time Reiner. Uh, I think Briar is actually good, and it's the reason I I, I played it at the last skirmish. Um, I did win that skirmish, by the way, Brendan. Oh really? Is yeah. this is this the part where you rub it in my face? <laughs> no, it's a skirmish. I'm not rubbing it. I just want to let you know that I think Briar is good and and uh, is is playable, and I'll share that list. Mm-hmm. I think by the time this goes up, I would have already shared the list. I'll pop it up on Twitter. Uh, what's overrated? Kasai. I think we both think Kasai is overrated, right? Yeah, if anybody still thinks Ira is the deck, then that's definitely overrated as well. People do, but I think I actually think Ira is kind of underrated, definitely. interestingly. so well, I mean, probably, right? But, like, there's probably, I mean, I, there's definitely some subgroup of people that lives on an or like lives on an island. Sounds like I'm talking about Australia or New Zealand. No, like, literally lives on an island, or metaphorically does, <laughs> and thinks that, like, wow, Ira still is a menace in Blitz. I don't think that that's the case, right? It yep. is uh, fault has been taken down from its throne. Yep. Um, I think the Sarai might be a little bit overrated, but I do think the deck is good, so that's fine. Underrated? I think Rhino was underrated week one, but I, th- I also think KO is overrated. Um, I think yeah, it is like has a powerful game head, plan and can spike games, but I think overall the de- like the deck list I'm seeing, I'm still not super thrilled with. Uh, Briar I think is underrated. I think Chain might be underrated. I think uh, all three Rune Blades are probably good. I want yeah. Bolton I mean, to be good, is. please. Come on, why can't Bolton be good? I want to play Bolton. I don't think it's. I want. Oh man, I want to Bolton saber people in Blitz so bad. Oh, I want to raid in people. I know. I'm messing <laughs> with you. Um, uh, yeah, maybe Azalea is good. I want to see. I want to see the Hayden Hive mind dive into that one. You got try shot. You got some good good combo opportunities. Who knows? Um, nothing. I got nothing in my head. A lot of a lot of a lot of Azalea bait on this on this episode. Yeah, I know. Sorry, sorry, team. Uh. Just want to round this out, kind of heading towards the end of our chat on Skirmish and Blitz here, but any any underplayed cards that you're sort of, you think people are, like Steadfast I thought was really underplayed for week one, but Aino was really low represented, so maybe that's maybe that's the right decision. I thought, weirdly, and this is not something I usually say about <clears throat> Flesh and Blood players, I thought defense reactions were kind of underplayed in week one, so no, not that I necessarily particularly think they're good in Blitz, but I thought, you know, I expected to see some people look to play a bit more Kind of played these turn four or five uh decks and play some interactions and so funny yeah it's so funny because i played against so many d react decks really okay so anecdotal <laughs> yeah. on my half then yeah yeah no like i mean i'm sure i mean at this point everything's kind of anecdotal because people are still figuring out what to play and what they like but yeah i played against a lot of d reacts and on viscera it was obviously hilarious yeah they just... um, <laughs> um but yeah well, for me, it's hard for me. To, uh, it's hard to call it like a specific card that I think is underplayed or overplayed. I just yeah. feel like I don't, I don't really have the palette 
in this Before. format quite yet. But yeah. uh, Plunder Run coming back and being played is interesting and maybe slightly underplayed. I agree. Now. I didn't yeah, I think it, it might yeah. be underplayed. I think people have forgotten about it. When I played it in my Briar deck yesterday and like flipped oh, Red Plunder so Run, my, one of my opponents was like, Yep, I definitely forgot that as a card. And I was like, yep, and it's still really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what I think is underplayed is blues. I think blues are being a bit underplayed, and I think that's a little bit of people just um, just new to building these decks and maybe not having the ratios quite in mind, and Kano's not punishing them, I think, for some of those decisions. But definitely, mm -hmm. I think, some of the lists I saw from week one and stuff, people are, like, skimping on blues a little bit um, to fit in power into the deck, which I, it might not be bad decision right like it might just be that that's the way you need to play this format but i do think that i still want a little bit more consistency out of some of these decks and i want to make sure if i'm playing ab3 you know i can barrier three i want to be able to be for it as well so uh, back in my i want to just say because back in my days of being a kano connoisseur there were two yeah. strategies that your opponent could play into right they could uh you know use their brain pitch for relevant things um you know play arcane barrier three and try to play a game of flesh and blood or they could just ignore that you exist on the other side of the table and just jam as much damage as possible. Just disrespect Kano. Yeah, both <laughs> of them are about it equally as hard to play against, and the, the latter was probably the hardest because you put the Kano in position where like their deck literally just has to give it to them. And um we look at a format where that that issue's only been sped up, the damage is only faster, it's it's bigger, um, puts Kano in a really tough position. So I, I don't think I'd be siding in more blues for Kano. I'd probably just delve down on presenting lethal on turn one and seeing if the other deck gives it to him. Cool. I also got like 14 blues, so <laughs> maybe I have one in my hand. It's devastating. Uh, <clears throat> where do we see the meter going? So we're hitting, we've got three weeks left of, of, the, of the skirmish season, and then we've got a, a calling, uh, which is happening in Holland. Um, I think we're going to see in the short term more Viserai. Uh, but I think that's actually going to even out by the time we get to uh, the calling. I think people are going to understand how to play into that deck, the ways they want to attack it, um, just to understand how fragile some of those cards, like that deck is a lot of two blocks in that deck. I think Kano is going to come back. Uh, I think people are just going to work on that and find lists that work into the meta. I think more explosive aggro decks, um, like Dash, are going to start to show up. We've already seen some of those. I think Kasai falls off a bit. Um, I don't know if I wrote these notes or you wrote these notes. I feel like my notes, but I don't know. <laughs> I think Ultimate and Bravo are both really good, and I think it just depends on like medicals about which Ultimate you build. And Bravo is a little bit more, I think, um, sort of fenced into how it maybe needs to play. And I don't know, is Islander good? I don't know, honestly. Like I haven't seen it be amazing, but I, like I said, I heard heard of someone nine knowing a, a skirmish. So congrats to them. Um, I will say, I think like Plunder Run decks and and Briar is like kind of underplayed, and I think we're going to see that pick up some steam over the next couple of weeks. Ash could be underrated just because it like LOL locks Viscera out of the game. It lands two dissolution fears and it can tutor for them. The deck is small and you can like, uh, what is that uh, foundry? The one the, there was a card that I spoiled that literally no one has ever played. <laughs> um, I can't remember what it is, but it gives you an extra counter on the item um, if you've boosted or something like that. But yeah, I mean the dissolution sphere could be really good into Viscera, and I think if it's strong into other decks, I think that Dash could be a solid deck um i wouldn't go like full turtle because you still would lose to like viscerai otk but if you're locking viscerai out for two three turns um likely you can put enough pressure to where they're not having to block with their hand so sleeper deck there for me um yeah, so workshop yes <laughs> is that's it right I, is, I think it, so. is that the one that does that thing yeah. i don't even know what the text on the card does. opt, opt and reveal the top card is that the one you're talking about 
there's some other card or something. I don't know what it is. There's some, there's some card in Dash that somebody told me, like, yeah, puts another counter on it. I don't know what that card is. But I thought you got Tickle Austin's workshop. But anyway, you can see we're consummate professionals over here. Yeah, Dash expert. Um, okay, so there's a couple of, like, quick fire questions, but I think we've already kind of answered. But just lastly, so how many skirmishes have you got left? I don't know. Okay. I just play them by ear. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, let's say you've got two left. What two decks are you going to play? Well, I have the SCG Battle Hard in Dallas actually. True, in two weeks. true, true. Yeah, so that's that's really the question. What deck am I going to play there? I don't know yet. Um, next weekend, I'm gonna or this coming weekend, I'm gonna play Reinar. And oh, then that was Blitz. No yeah, it is Blitz. Woo! Super excited. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what I'm gonna play yet. Visra does feel powerful, but there is the deck does have an inherent fail rate. Uh, failure Retro. rate. Yeah, failure. Well, it's more like if. It's also about it's about fragility, and I think it's more about like if you just don't kind of draw the right cards, it just kind of blows sometimes. Okay. But I think it's few and far between. Um, so don't know what deck I'll be on for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, Reinar this weekend. Okay, cool. Excited to see it. I again, I don't know what I'm gonna play. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily gonna play one of the top decks. I might try and brew something up and, and play something a bit fun for the last one. Uh, but I think yeah, I enjoyed playing Reinar and Briar, and would recommend those to people if they want to. Pick up a deck. I'll share the Briar deck list. Uh, the other decks I would probably recommend uh, Old Time and, and Viserai, I think. I would not recommend Kasai. Probably wouldn't recommend Ira unless it's really like a more aggressive Ira list, I think, is where you want to be right now. Um, yeah. Brendan did want to ask a few questions. So you, you asked me, do I think Blitz is a good format? Do you think Blitz is a good format? Well... That's that's a loaded question. So no, just one you, word. You have to say, do you think that this blitz format is a good format? Yeah, this current blitz format. No. Okay, that's fine. We've talked about it. I say yes, you say no. It's fine. Uh, was it ever first positive or negative for blitz? Uh, negative. Okay. What do you think the role of skirmishes are now? They're armories that give XP, right? And you can maybe get some prizes along the way too. I, I don't know. It's it's weird. I'm trying to figure it out. One thing I wanna I wanna put on top of that, which I may have just literally forgot about. What was the second question you asked me, Hayden? Sorry, I'm having a break. Just it was Everfest positive or negative for Blitz. Yes. How funny is it how much design went into Everfest for Blitz and most of that design is irrelevant? Uh, right? Like that's hilarious. Like we des we decide to make a significant portion of our uh, supplementary set be blitz related and it's just overshadowed by other cards, right? Like, and those cards that are good in Blitz are, are actually just the few cards that are good in Classic Constructed as well. Like all this like cute design that we did, um, you know, with like the merchant. I don't know. Again, week one could change, but it's just kind of UPF, funny. I thought that's this UPF. was yeah UPF. I forgot. Oof. But yeah, some people like people love UPF. I, I'm not gonna say anything because I'm inherently flawed as a human being because I I don't enjoy it. Um, I think it's kind of undecided because I think we could see a lot of things change. I think some of the amulets are being maybe a little bit underrepresented, to be honest, even though I don't necessarily think they're great cards. I, I think I'm undecided on whether if a fist is positive or negative because I think there's so many spins you could take on it. My What I think the role of skirmishes right now is I think they're great tools for building communities uh, across stores for stores to run events and get players from a, a wider sort of base of the community to come in, see what they do. Join the community. Um, so many people I talked to over the past week of playing these two skirmishes 
first big event, right? For this, this is their first big event, and that's super, super awesome, and I love seeing that. So I think this gateway of skirmish is, is what it should be. It's a it's a chance to have players who want to maybe step up from like the armory level to play a little bit more of this kind of you know there's a bit more structure. There's Swiss rounds into top cut. Um, you get some of like you get good players come in from you know outside of your store because incentive to come in and that's a really good thing for, for these players so yeah i see it as kind of like this gateway thing and i think that's what it is and i think i hope that's what it continues to be i think it's a really good piece for that and they're fun so oh i have a great i have a, i'm just thinking this thought that is just making me giggle the whole time which is the blitz introductory experience you know you're playing a game <laughs> oh hey yeah by the way you you actually draw up at the end of your first turn you draw back up the four cards yeah no worries i'm just uh yeah i'll help you out okay so now on my turn i'm gonna be sonating i'm looking at seven cards here for, uh, okay there's gonna be four that come to my hand okay there's 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 10 rune chance here i'm gonna instant speed activate my boots i'm gonna gain two action points here i'm gonna rattle bones this card back out of my graveyard and um yeah that's that it's 30 damage yeah yeah well good game <laughs> Uh, all right, Brendan. <laughs> Are you laughing? I was like wondering where he was. I was like, did he? <laughs> uh, I was too busy laughing. All right, all right. Uh, I think we've we've talked enough about Blitz in the skirmish season. Yeah. Uh, I am excited to play my last skirmish. It sounds like you actually, all things considered, are looking forward to going and playing. Yeah, fine. Playing, playing these mm -hmm. events. Um, anything? Google review, Brendan. Google review before we mm -hmm. sign off. But Brendan reviews. Sure. So let's first talk about how you submit a review to Arsenal Pass and get featured. So we actually are using this website called Rate My Podcast. So if you go to HTTPS, colon, slash, slash, ratethispodcast.com, slash, Arsenal Pass, you'll be prompted with, like, I don't know, a set of links that will let you review us wherever you want to. And that's basically the best way to do it. And it's, we're working out great. So we, we pick out the funny reviews and the good reviews. Um, and we got one here. Leave the bad ones, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The bad ones, they don't quite make it. So we got one from Stone the Crow zero one five-star rating. Oof. Thank you very much. He says, rate my podcast, more like Wraith my podcast. Am I right? Well, yeah. Command <laughs> That's like the uh, Command Cookout section. I like that play on words. It says, Arsenal Pass is the best flesh and blood podcast out there. Hayden and Brendan are a freight train from hell, giving you all the flesh and blood info you can handle. They cause session blood to flee, flee to Legend Story Studios. They write Tall Timmy's jokes, script Tarek Patel's plays, and give Matt Rogers the deets on what the meta is up to. When he's getting ready to choose the deck for the season, cannot recommend this podcast enough for those looking to improve their flesh and blood gameplay. And until next time, I'll see you in the next review. <laughs> Brilliant, Love dude! That, that that end got me. That end, that was a that was a good one. That was the funniest part. All right. Well, with that said, if you do want to get a review in, uh, submit your review. If you want to get a question for the Commander Cookout, you can also do that as well. Either email us to us at arsenalpass.com. That right? Yeah, that sounds right. ArsenalPassFab yeah. at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us. You can drop a link in the comment. Before we sign off, remember, we have some giveaways. If you do want to enter for the Playmats, watch out on Twitter. We'll be giving away a couple of Playmats this week. If you want to enter for the Arsenal Pass, I guess golden ticket we're calling it, we want to get someone to do the calling slash pro tour who, who maybe wouldn't otherwise be able to go, whether it's you or it's someone you know, a friend, a community member. Uh, please leave a comment below. Let us know who it is and uh, a bit of a story. You know, why why would it mean so much for you or for this person to go? Uh, and um, we would we would love to try and help get someone there with flights and entry. And um, yeah, just, just drop a like on the video as well. Help us out from the algorithm perspective. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Uh, we want to get to that 4K mark. Big thank you to all of our patrons uh, for all that you allow us to do. 
And there's a couple of new things up on Patreon as well. Plus, we will be recording the podcast. We need to do that soon, Brendan. We'll probably do that in the next couple of days. The um, next Patreon podcast. I've got, uh, I've got the, uh, I've got the the topic. By cool. the way, don't spoil Arsenal it. Pass. No, I'm telling okay, you. Okay. Arsenal Pass Anniversary Edition. It's going to be a history. We're going to do a history of flesh and blood. People, it's story time, Ooh, right? Okay. We're going to talk about all the crazy, funky stuff that used to happen in this game, how it's evolved, our own journeys as well. Less about us, but more about the game. Because the way the game looks now is so, so different. different from the way it used to be before. There's, there's some funny stories. All right. Well, look forward to that. And uh, we're on Twitter. Brendan is at BrendanAPG, and I'm at Ian underscore Dale, like the tunic. Follow for more fab-related things. Deckless. I'll be posting my skirmish deckless up there. And um, yeah, interact with us. Come say hello. Brennan, until next time. <laughs> See you in the next video. Let's go. <laughs>